It's fabulous to be with you guys. How are you? I am. <laughs> As opposed to not being. I'm against not being. Is uh, I'd, I'd rather be here. You know? Yeah, and, uh, I agree. That's a stand I find not a lot of people are brave enough to make. And I'm glad you're here <laughs> to do it. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. You know, if somebody asks you how you are and you say you're not, well, you then, you know, you're really in trouble, I suppose. <laughs> Very existential. Right. All of a sudden, the reality starts. It's a Marvel movie. All of a sudden, you're like, oh, God, is reality yeah. it collapse around us? What's going on? And when I sit next to people on airplanes and they ask me what I do for a living, I tell them I'm a philosopher, oh, which yeah. is probably true. But at the end of the day, I have to admit that it's hard to earn a living as a philosopher. So my fallback is uh, supporting myself through writing music. You know? Oh, that's fantastic. Isn't it, it, do you find it interesting that like people, because for me, like other than comedy, my fallback plan was to be a cartoonist. Two of the worst like possible, you know, uh, scare the shit out of your parents' career choices. But in my brain, do you, do you find that with, among artists that we don't really have much of a fallback plan? It's always like, well, I'm going to do this piece of art or I'm going to do that. Uh, well, I always um, advise young people that come to me with dreams <laughs> to follow the dream. Yeah. But, I, but you know, if it's not happening and you look around and uh, you think you're more talented than the people that are happening, then you got to stick with it. But if you're not sure, it's always good to have a backup plan. Do you, did you have a real career backup plan or were you just kind of like, okay, if this doesn't work out, I could always bag groceries? Well, I sort of ignored my talent for most of my young life. I mean, uh, wow. I uh, supposedly am a ex-child prodigy. It was at uh, Columbia University when I was nine being interviewed by the head of the piano department at Teachers College, Raymond Burroughs. Wow. And I was there because I never took piano lessons, grew up in a non-musical family, no piano in the house. But God provides. <laughs> wow. My folks were in the hotel business, and during the summer, we lived in the beautiful summer resort in Belmar, New Jersey, Goldstein's oh. Carlton Hotel. Very nice. And if you know the Jersey Shore, Belmar is really was really wonderful growing up there. Anyhow, there was a piano in the ballroom. So mm -hmm. little Billy, when he was three or four, would uh, wander over to the piano. And uh, by the time I was eight, I'd go to the movies and come back and play what I heard and still never had any piano lessons. So I imagine it was one of the uh, more sophisticated guests at the hotel and said, what are you doing about the kid? And <laughs> My, what should we be doing you know so the next thing i know i'm you know interviewed at uh, at teachers college and um, professor burrow gives my mother all the right advice wow none of which was convenient to take <laughs> and so uh at the end of the uh the, the day my mother says well look we can't uh, 
bring him to New York every day and we can't bring him to New York uh, once a week. We lived about an hour and a half outside of the city of New Jersey. Yeah. Will we, ha- you know, uh, harm his chances of development? And Burroughs looks her in the eyes and says, it would be like trying to stop the river heading towards the sea. He'll continue to, uh, wow. you know, grow and evolve. And when he gets to a point where he needs a teacher, he'll find one. Wow. That's incredible, man. I love that somebody saw that like that far in advance in you. It's amazing. And uh, did you speak doc- to him? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. There, there was a documentary that started filming in 2016, uh, and we actually uh, we went back to Teachers College and filmed. We were going to film in the same room that I was interviewed in, but it was turned into a faculty lounge. So uh, the interviews on YouTube. Uh, it's oh, that's called, great. Uh, Columbia at nine, uh, yeah, but. Uh, we were in the Millbank Chapel, which is a beautiful, uh, beautiful room. And you were right. going to ask. I was going to ask if you if you had seen him again, if you'd seen that guy again. Well, this is a very interesting that you should say this, because I did not find out until 2016 or 2017, I think, when we shot the, an interview there, that Burroughs, who was 46 at the time, he interviewed me, died a few months later on the operating table. Oh, my God. Yeah. And uh, the man really was one of those life-changing episodes that reminds you that sometimes your life is more altered by the steps you don't take than by the steps you do take. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And I was I, I remember being stunned. If you look at the video, uh, I put a dedication to Burroughs. Um, um, I mean, what he said to me is one of my earliest childhood memories, what he said to my mom about it would be like trying to stop the river heading towards the sea, you know, just. That's beautiful. uh, It was. And it must have given you so much confidence, even as a child, like it instilled that you are. Well, it it did yet. But when I was in high school, you know, the idea of earning a living writing music never occurred to me. And I wasn't really... I, I I learned to read music in middle school. I picked up a trumpet to play with a school band. Never took piano lessons. Couldn't notate what I was writing. I was pretty much ignorant. And so, um, and I was interested in a lot of things. I uh, wanted to fly airplanes, wanted to be a psychiatrist, yeah. an archaeologist, an anthropologist. And uh, at the end of the day, I said, well, you know, you have this musical talent. So I became a music education major my first two years of college. And uh, during that time, I I, uh, composed and orchestrated an orchestral work that was uh, performed by local symphony orchestra in New Jersey. I ended up on the front page of the Asbury Park Press. Nice. And and I said, Bill, if you can do this without studying composition, what happens if you study composition? So I switched schools. Uh, I've started college when I was 17, so I'm 18 and a half, and I, uh, I arranged to become a composition major at Manhattan School of Music and uh, came to New York when I was, was 19 and uh, had to go four years as a composition major there, but learned a lot, and uh, mm-hmm. my career got kick-started very quickly. And then were you hanging out on the music scene? Like, were you were you in places to be around other well, artists yeah. and musicians? Oh, well, what, what happened, I was very interested in musical theater. So I, uh, when I was 19, I was in the musical theater workshop sponsored by BMI Broadcast Music, Inc., 
which was a breeding ground for lots of very talented people. I was the youngest person in the class. And uh, BMI noticed me and before long started getting me contracts with music publishers who were going to invest in my future. And when I was 22, I wrote a folk opera that CBS television produced called A Bullet for Billy the Kid. And that was my first, well, I I did get $10 for having a song in an off-off-Broadway review when I was 19, but but, uh, the CBS thing was my first real um, step forward. Did you, did you, have any like inclination to kind of try to dive into what made you uh, tick that way in particular, what made you such a natural, cause is it in your family? Did you, <clears throat> did you know not it in the all? family? Uh, first thing I said, yeah, not in family, the family. No at all. musical talent. No, not but like, like the what, generations back. You know? Yeah. I was going to say generate like, yeah, I was going to ask, did you do the deep dive? Cause a lot yeah, of people, yeah. A lot of people I know have done like that 23andMe thing just because they're like, where did this gift actually well, come uh, from? Right. I mean, uh, that that will tell you your ethnic background. It won't tell you uh, where musical talent comes from. True. Uh, and you would think that if there was some famous... Maybe there's anti- a caveman with a xylophone back in the day. You don't know. Yeah. You don't know. Maybe it was a guy with <laughs> well, a you know, couple t- bones. I'll t- I'll a- t- well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. My mother's family can trace its roots back to Austrian Galicia, in the 1700s. Now, if you take a look at, you can get, while we're talking, you can look up uh, my album called Instant Composition. Mm-hmm. Got it. And on the cover, there's me and another guy who resembles me, or I resemble him. And uh, it could be that um, there was something going on somewhere back there, and uh, I don't really know. But um, <laughs> the guy who's on the cover of me, was famous for instant composition as wow. were many of the guys of the 18th and 19th century. Mm. Uh, so I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I came to understand probably about 20 or 25 years ago, what my gift really is, mm-hmm. uh, which I didn't uh, have any clue to. And this is my, it's only a guess, but my guess is that my gift is the ability to speak the language of music right as easily as everybody speaks a spoken language right everybody speaks a spoken language nobody had to take speaking the language lessons you just kind of mm. picked it up yeah by, by ear wow. and um when i do master classes i always ask um students what part of your physical anatomy is most involved in human speech and you guys would say is it your one tongue? of it's your tongue. Mm-hmm. And the tongue right. is usually the last thing that anybody thinks of. Right. You don't think of your tongue because it's so natural. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And then I always say to the students, well, what was the last time you had to tell the tongue in your mouth where to go to make a sound? Oh, yeah. Good point. Yeah. So my finger is over a keyboard or like the tongue in my mouth. That's a great analogy. Wow. And until and, you said no one ever thinks of your tongue, I have not done anything but think of my tongue. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> you're saying that, I'm going, oh, shit, I have a tongue. I was able to pull that cover up as well from that Yes. Album. So if you want to share it up. with your audience, you can you can do that. And uh, Oh, my goodness. Th- there it is. Wow. Uh, the, 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 the other fellow is, uh, I, I do give it away. Continuing. I don't know if I've heard of him. 
the computer. Well, you might not have because he died very, very young. He's only about thirty-five, you know. And uh, that is a yeah, striking it, re resemblance. It is. That is I, wild. I, I know. That's uh, why. Who knows? Yeah. He was a ladies' man, and uh, by ancestors, some of whom were female in that area, yeah. part of the world. Wow. Yeah. John, we wanna... to work on this. We need to get some Mozart DNA so we can test it. <laughs> this, this is why I asked the question, because he said in his immediate family he had no talent, but I know people who have been like, no, nobody in my immediate family could play or do or act. Well, this would be direct descendants if indeed it happened. Oh, I mean, that's I, phenomenal. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Very cool. Anyhow, there is a there is a physical resemblance, and there is uh, the uh, the ability. Now, you know, the thing about creating music in real time, human speech is one event at a time, mm -hmm. but music is many events happening simultaneously and many musical lines. And so, in order to speak the language of music as easily as the spoken language, I suppose. Your brain has to be able to process multiple things simultaneously. How that happens, I have no idea. Right. I don't know that anybody has an idea. But I imagine that is what the real gift is for those of us who uh, can process in, uh, in, in real time. I mean, everybody's familiar with jazz improvisation. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but jazz improvisation is 99% improvisation around an already existing composition mm -hmm. right. uh, you know a mel melody or chord structure and uh so uh, when you're doing instant composition you're just starting from scratch is there something in particular that you notice that you pick up first in a piece of music more than something more than anything else when i listen when yeah. i listen to yep yeah, a melody always mm. You're, and that helps you, you set this the, like picture the rest of it. Oh no no you're talking about when I'm creating or just yeah when, I'm, when you're oh, creating when is there something that pops into your head for that you're just like. Well, let me just any question you're going to ask about that process, mm. ask yourself the same question when you're about to speak. Mm. You you don't think that much far you know in advance. Okay. None of us do. Some of us should, but <laughs> none, none, none of us none of us do really. We just. Uh, we speak in real time, and we do that because we have a vocabulary and um, the technique of delivering the vocabulary, and it's also natural. We don't have to think about it. Right. I do find that fascinating, though, because when I one of the ways I like to work when I'm on stage as a comic is I, I do I have stuff that I obviously I know works, but I leave myself space in between the jokes just for me personally, so I don't get too bored to play and to leave room to improvise and to play with the audience, and sometimes. You know, I've had people come up and go, Do you, when, like, I'll laugh at a, something that I've said on stage, like to myself. And somebody will be like, did you, do you always laugh? Like, do you know when to laugh? And I'm like, no, because sometimes I'll say a thing and I won't actually know I'm about to, like, it, like my brain will, whatever thing is something, I say it, but that's also the first time I'm hearing it. Right. So it's, it's technically funny to me. I find that kind of thing, I can't question it. I don't know where it comes from, but it must be the same thing then musically for you where you're just creating on the spot and you don't know what's going to come out like it, it's well i uh, i know what's going to come out the same way you know what's going to come out when right. you start talking you yeah. you have an idea you want to express and i'm just expressing ideas in the language of music right do you um 
are you good at let like so like when you're creating something how good are you at like making it and then <clears throat> possibly letting it go like because there's no like do you remember everything you create on the spot or? i remember nothing i create on the spot any more oh, than anybody remembers what uh, they say five minutes ago right which is why i record most things uh what i'm going to do for you here if you ask me to do something i would love to uh, I, uh you'll record i if i was in la i'd record it uh yeah. my studio at the same time nice. but uh basically uh you know, if I recorded everything I did every time I sat down, I, I, I would have no time to create new. I'd just be listening to, you know, I mean, but I, let me say this. When I'm actually, you know, doing an orchestral work, like I, I'm trying to do a piano concerto, mm -hmm. I'm working months and I don't have anything I really like. There's a difference mm -hmm. between creating an idea and then developing, you know, the ideas are complete compositions. But certain large structures or if i was doing a movie score and i'm looking for a theme usually the first thing that pops into my head is going to be the theme but but i can't go with the first thing i've got to you know really yeah. do due diligence and i keep working and i wear it a week later i say well maybe that first idea wasn't so bad <laughs> and I'll, I'll go back to it very rarely will i will i uh, recognize immediately that whatever popped into my head is just great sometimes that does happen yeah but 99% of the time, do you go back to that first one and be like, that was it? Or yeah, very, very, very often I do. Very often I do. Yeah. And um, very interesting. I, I was supposed to, um, and would have, if it weren't for coming down with COVID, I was supposed, I was scheduled to perform at a Motown uh, celebration event in uh, Beverly Hills on October 1st. And uh, September 30th, I tested positive for COVID and they wouldn't let me on the stage. Oh, my and, God. But I was going to be doing a sort of concerto version of the beautiful Diana Ross said, do you know where you're going to? Now, mm -hmm. when I take something that already exists and I want to make it very special and I, and I have to learn... That's real work for me. Right. I worked for weeks on this damn thing, and then I get COVID. <laughs> oh, my God, man. But, but they, they said, don't worry. We'll be doing more of these. You'll do it another time. But it was still, oh, my God. You know. When people hire you for, um, you know, like a movie score or something like that, do you prefer to – are they hiring you because you can create on the spot and they want to see what the thing is? Or do they have a direction for you to go in, and which do you prefer? Oh, well, most filmmakers always have a direction, whether it's the right direction or not. They always have a direction. <laughs> uh, there have been a couple of times where I have been asked to do something because of my ability to create very quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, one, The first instance was before I knew that my ability to do it was not common. I just knew I could do it. And that was in the early 80s or mid 80s, I think mid 80s. Uh, probably around 84, you can look it up. There was a movie called A Talent for Murder. Mm -hmm. It starred uh, Sir Lawrence Olivier and Angela Lansbury. It was a yeah. BBC Showtime production. And they'd had a score they didn't like, and they threw it out. And I get a call from my agent, 
they don't have much money and they need something quick. Take a look at this and tell me what you think. <laughs> I looked at it and I thought, yeah, this could lend itself to a solo piano score. Wow. So I had the, it was the early days of my studio in LA, in, in my home. The producers came over and ran the tape machine. And if they had their way, the score would have been composed in two hours because they bought every first take. Wow. But I kept insisting, let's do another pass. And so it, <laughs> it took seven hours. And uh, then Keyboard Magazine uh, heard about it and wrote an article. Uh, I don't even know if they're still in existence. But that got me invited to a film festival in Oregon where I was asked to uh, create a score in front of a con in front of an audience after a 20-minute short film, wow. which, which, which I did. And uh, that leads me to what's coming up next month when I'm going to the Black Knights Festival, which is an A-list uh, international film festival in Tallinn, Estonia, where they're asking me to actually sit and create a score to a complete feature film, oh feature-length film. Uh, in one sitting, and I always request, I don't want to see the film beforehand. I want it to be spontaneously composed. And uh, I'm hoping that we can find a film that is, is not a film they're going to run without the music, but a film that has never been scored, ready to be scored, and that the filmmaker will mark it up with what they call streamers, indicating where the music should come in, where it should go out. Right. And I will sit on the stage and score the movie in real time. Wow. And if That's they incredible. like it, we can then post-orchestrate it, or it might even lend itself to a solo piano score. But that's coming up next month. Wow. That is, when, was the, when was the first time? Is this, your, this is not your first time doing that, is it? No, no. The first time in, in Oregon was in the early 80s. That's called, uh, you go to YouTube and find a 20-minute film score in 20 minutes. It's cut down to 10 minutes, but it's, it was mm. a 20-minute film. And then I've done it at other festivals, uh, 2011, 2013. Oh, my God. Wow. That, that's the most – I can't even wrap my head around that kind of ability, <clears throat> man. That has got to be so exciting and thrilling to be able to do that in front of people. It well, if you like getting out on a stage naked, if that excites you, it's, um, yeah, it's very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I usually just do that. And that's not nobody. Yeah. Enjoy, yeah. That's not a thing. People it's a good enjoy. Laugh. Yeah. It's not bad. I get one or two chuckles and then I get arrested. And that's how I know. Well, you know, in truth, the way the Oregon thing started in the mid eighties was they, they'd read the keyboard magazine article and I was going up to be the principal speaker of a seminar on electronic music. And they said, well, as long as you're here, we know that you create in real time and we have a student film could we send it to you and would you consider maybe scoring it in concert? Mm -hmm. And I thought about it just for two seconds. I said, I, don't send it to me. <laughs> I'll, I'll be happy to do it. Let's let the audience know I'll be seeing it for the first time as they're seeing it for the first time. Mm -hmm. And I'll just, you know, run a clock. I want to know how long the film is. And, and what's really remarkable, even to me, is that I was making hits and it was it was extremely exciting and the audience my god well you can imagine and I get the same reaction when I do it these days we live in an age of overstimulation where everybody's bombarded with so much mm -hmm. indeed 
it's very hard to have a virginal experience, something right. that you've never experienced before. Mm -hmm. And for most people, they've never actually witnessed somebody creating something in real time. Right. So very often this creates a very emotional audience reaction because people are just, how can you prepare yourself for something you've never experienced before mm -hmm. when you've not been in an experience, in a place where you've experienced something you haven't experienced before? Right. So, yeah. When you were telling us backstage that in 2011, you would realize that this is a singular ability and not your other, right. your other peers don't have it. How did you actually come to that discovery? Well, that's because when I occasionally would perform in public at a fundraiser or something, I I never wanted to sit down and play something I already created because that would mean I'd have to actually rehearse it and uh, you know remember it and yeah. mm -hmm. it was a lot easier just to get on stage with a blank slate and mm -hmm. create something. So people would ask me, well, that was wonderful. What was it? And I said I just made it up, but nobody believed it. <laughs> so I I started doing the the three note thing, you know, like if it was a a dinner honoring somebody who contributed fifty thousand dollars or something, have them come up and pick three random notes on the piano. I, I say random, but I do ask that people select notes that resonate with themselves. It makes it better. Mm -hmm. Anyhow, I would take the three notes and create pieces. So. I later learned that Franz Liszt used to do that. He'd have um, people put uh, three notes on a piece of paper in a hat. He, they'd pass the hat on stage. He picks up and said, oh, yeah, all right. And he would do this. So in 2011, I'm invited to be the principal guest artist at the Transatlantic Festival, which was organized by Polish composer Jan Kaczmarek. Wow. who, who uh, won an Oscar for Finding Neverland. Yeah, man. That was great. And uh, Jan and I, um, at a meeting at the Motion Picture Academy, we were both on the Music Branch Executive Committee. You know, I had one of our guys, oh, so how you doing? What's new? Well, you know, and I said, well, I just released my second album of uh, improvised compositions. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's really interesting. Uh, let me start talking about it. And he said, you know, I'm doing this festival in Poland. And I've always been fascinated with the lost art of instant composition, he says. Right. Would you like to, to come? Would you like to be president of the jury? Oh, you know, we, uh, so I said, sure. I mean, it didn't happen quite that quickly. We got together in my home. We, we improvised for each other. But at the end of the day, that, that, that was it. You know, he said, you'll have a great time. Polish women are beautiful and all mm. that stuff. So, um, so I get to Poland. And the first thing he says to me, by the way, we have to eliminate the three-note thing. I said, well, why? He said, it's too hard. Nobody can do it. We had 50 contestants from around the world. And in truth, none of them could do it. Wow. People would start playing the three notes and then they wouldn't know where to go. They might repeat it, but they couldn't take an idea and develop it into a composition. Oh my so God. that was, and then I did performance demonstrations for the audiences there. And I also did musical conversations with a jazz singer. This is all on YouTube. Uh, we did like a 20 minute uh, musical conversation made up off the top of the head, uh, singing to each other while I'm at the keyboard. I, I improvised ballets with dancers. 
Wow. wow. I had a great time. The audiences loved it. And uh, I learned that um, for some reason, uh, the master of the universe had given me a gift, which he didn't think it was important to reveal to me until 2011. <laughs> He's a practical joker, that guy, from what I understand. Why? Yeah, God, why? <laughs> you could have been milking it this whole time. Would it have hurt that yeah. much? <laughs> I mean, I can't complain. I, I uh, had a, you know, a successful career, but I have so much fun with this live performance. Well, what do you think you would have done differently had you known when you were younger? I would have started doing a lot of live performances mm. when I was younger. And maybe have had a career some somewhat similar to Keith Jarrett's, somebody uh, who was out there, you know, doing that sort of thing. Do you, do you kind of let that thing? Because it seems I don't. I mean, I know you're semi joking, but do you let it weigh you down at all? Is it something that's on your mind, or do you, are you like, okay, you know, I'm, I I got enough time <clears throat> to make it happen now? I don't know if I have enough time. Nobody knows how much time they have. I'm saying positive, man. <laughs> no, no, no. Don't do that. Don't say that. <laughs> We're all. Yeah, we're we we're we're all here under limited contracts, you know. <laughs> That's you know, true. We, we can. Uh, I'm 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 Jewish, and we just had the uh, high holidays where you pray for an extension on your contract. That's <laughs> you <know? laughs> so. I'm Italian. Uh, we don't get contracts. We get a handshake. <laughs> Same thing, you know. Yeah. What I mean, but you, you you gotta you gotta renew it every once in a while. Right, right. So anyhow. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so I don't let it weigh me down, and I really am very philosophical, and um, I don't know what benefit there is to the world or myself of having this been a secret, but, uh, you know, I do believe there's meaning in life and purpose to everything that happens, yeah. and uh, I don't, I have no idea. As I say, would it have hurt if I... Uh... Hmm. Well, I mean, you have a story to tell, and not only that, I think maybe, you know, you could have gotten just... I don't I don't know if that's what you really, truly love is the, all the live performances, or maybe it's you like it right now because you haven't been able to do it that long, but maybe because you didn't do them, you got to do this other stuff. You know what I mean? So Yeah, yeah, yeah. If... Well, no, no. I, I, I'm happy for all the stuff I did. I don't know that I would have given up anything. I, I guess there are always trade-offs. I just would have added that to my repertoire. What's really interesting is my, you know, I put myself through my, for my, my last five of seven years in college. Mm. And the first years I was playing in bands seven nights a week. Nice. And, um, uh, during the summer and then during the winter, maybe just weekends and things. And I was really happy when I started getting publishing contracts and I didn't have to play, but I, I wasn't a soloist. I was playing in bands and it was fun. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, I was happy not to play and I never really pushed it much during the years I was, even when I was a Motown artist. Did, yeah. I, I have uh, tons of questions about that actually, but also did it, did it feel like when you played with other artists that they weren't moving as fast as you? No, I wouldn't say that at all. I, I, I think I was always playing with really gifted people. I mean, if I was in the studio making records, we were all reading a chart that I had written. And, yeah. uh, and they were all much better players than I was, baby, because they were doing more stuff. So I relied on their input. Um, 
uh, yeah, I'm very humbled by uh, possibly because I never took piano lessons. And, you know, when I hear a, a concert pianist, uh, you know, they can't do what I do, but I don't do what they do. I mean, if I had to sit down and learn a concerto, I mean, it would take me years and years. Yeah. That's interesting. Now, do you, do you, um, find comparing notes sometimes with those kind of, what, are they like when they find out what you can do and vice versa? Or well, are you like, you know, what I say to audiences very often, and I'll say this to your audience, if you're going to ask me to do something, a concert, a concert pianist practices six, eight hours a day, mm -hmm. marrying a finger to every note of a composition. Mm -hmm. My fingers never know where they're going. Wow. And therefore, Sometimes they're little mishaps and things, which I clean up when I record. I so you unabashedly, I'm not afraid of uh, if I hit two notes, taking the wrong one out. Not that most people notice, but right. Yeah. Well, so how it works is I would give you three random notes. Yeah, or three notes of your favorite song, or three notes that resonate with you, which. Uh, you know, or John Wood, or maybe you each pick one. No, I don't know. Uh, yeah, you want to each pick one. I mean, I I could go either way. Oh man, this is so fun. I it is. I feel like I'm going to steal this little clip of audio and play it. Our intro and outro is going to have to change because I feel like yeah, it's the that, true creation. Well, you haven't heard it yet. You know, give it a chance. <laughs> <laughs> but um. It can't be wrong, just like you were saying, right? Like, right. whatever it is that comes out of you can't be wrong, and that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, well, we'll keep it on the somewhat short side. I won't do a 10-minute piece for you. I'll do a, something maybe a, a couple of minutes at most. Then I got nowhere to be. Absolutely. So, I, <laughs> I really want to touch on the... Uh, All right, maybe I'll do two minutes and 10 seconds. I don't know. We'll it'll, it'll be what it'll be. <laughs> I was really interested about the, how your engagement with uh, Barry Gordy started. Like, how did that all yeah. come about? Were you in college at the time or? No, no, no. I was out of college. I was already uh, established in New York and uh, already been uh, in the Army during the Vietnam War as a composer in residence. Wow. The United States Army Band in Washington, so don't feel too sorry for me. I'm probably the only guy. <laughs> In my basic training unit who knew where he was going after basic training uh and that was a great opportunity i wrote some great music but i'd been you know i got out of the army in 69 and uh came back to new york and uh was under contract to uh columbia picture screen gems which was the music publishing company that had all of the great songwriters i don't I'm not one of the great songwriters, but I was there with Carol King and Barry oh, Mann and Cynthia Weil and uh, Carol Bear Sager. And I had my first record released, um, I think, in uh, uh, 1969 or 70 called We'll Be All Right. It's a wonderful record that could have been a big hit, but Clive Davis didn't get behind it at the time for some reason that Sandy Windsor, who I wrote it with, and I are still not happy about. But uh, wow. that, that was my early start. And Barry discovered me in 1975 when I had written the music for the ABC morning show, AM America, okay, uh, which preceded Good Morning America. And uh, Barry fell in love with the theme. <laughs> wow. And the next thing I know, but I'll tell you a secret. I know why Barry fell in love with the theme. Why? Well, a number of people said to me, you know, your theme sounds uh, 
a little bit like Stevie Wonder's Sunshine of Your Life. <laughs> and when I got the call from Motown, I thought I was going to be sued. <laughs> but it turned oh out God. that they wanted me to do a uh, single version of that record. So we did a, uh, a single deal, which was uh, enough money to go in the studio and do three sides. And one of the records I made, I did, I did the AM America theme, I did a B-side, and then I did something for me because I didn't know when anybody was going to lay money on me to go in the studio. And I did a very romantic uh, French-European sexy record called Rêve de Jeune Fille, Dreams of a Young Girl, nice. which uh, you can hear on the best of William Goldstein, which you have the cover art for, which Motown released 2009. But anyhow, Barry flipped for this third thing. And that led them to signing me as an artist producer to the label. And uh, that was just mind-blowing, life-changing. That's amazing. I am so grateful to that man who really changed my life in the most wonderful way. Absolutely. Okay. That, that, that was a legacy, right? It was like a dynasty of yeah. still to today. You know, he's the guy who discovered Stevie Wonder, Michael Jackson, Diana Ross, Smokey Robinson, and William Goldstein. And a lot of people don't know that. <laughs> uh, we had another guest on. I mean, I think the only other guest we've had on with a real connection to Barry Gordy was Tommy Chong. Uh, so you're the, you're I, the I, second one. Yeah, I've never met Tommy, but yeah. Yeah, he had a, he had a bit of a history with him, too. Um, is there anybody, you mentioned a, a bunch of those names. Is there anybody that you've um, not gotten to work with that you really wish you had? Oh, I'm sure there are a lot of people I didn't get to work with, but when you talk, stop and think about the people I did get a chance to work yeah. with in the R&B area that I never would have had a chance to work with because they were not hiring white producers particularly. There were some. There mm -hmm. were some at Motown. Michael Masser, who wrote Do You Know Where You're Going To, a wonderful songwriter, Ron Miller, the lyricist songwriter, also produced a lot of records, but they were rare. So when I got signed, I immediately, uh, besides being an artist and making my own records, and I was made, a, they made me a disco artist. Boom, you're a disco artist. I ended up writing for and producing uh, Smokey Robinson, Thelma Houston, Jermaine Jackson. Wow. Later on, Marilyn McCoo and Billy Davis, um, The Fifth Dimension. Yeah. Uh, Billy Preston, later Dionne Warwick. Wow. Wow. So, um, you know, my William Goldstein songbook album has got songs by all these people. I even worked with uh, Stevie Wonder's wife, Sarita Wright, who was a really wonderful woman. Um, so it was a really fabulous uh, opportunity for me. Um, okay, I think I have the three chords, by the way. But if you want me to wait until a little later, no, I think you've been no. working on. It. <laughs> I, I really, right. I've been because I, I, I thought of three random ones, right, just off the top of my head. I'm, I'm gonna, re just... I'm gonna relocate over here. This is yeah, uh, yeah, the piano, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, uh, I can either uh, I can disconnect the headphone and put it on the side so you can see the keyboard, or you can Beautiful. watch me, uh, whichever you like. Uh, I like well, watching you. But I, I don't yeah. know. You'll call, John. Yeah, you it's up to, um, well, I, I, you know, I don't you mind can... watching you at all. That's a good view. All right. So let me, uh, I'm going to, I'm, I'm just going to take the headphones off because uh, 
it'll record better the music and uh, okay. I'm, I'm not a big right. I, I don't I'm gonna send Tom images of uh, the and if you if you want we can pick a different one or whatever I don't know but this is you said I thought of three random ones at first and then I was like when you said something about maybe the three chords to your a favorite song or something like I thought of a song I liked and I had to find the chords for it. So I well, not the chords, just the three notes. The three, three notes. Sorry, the three first notes. Three, three melodic notes. Yep, and first three notes. Don't tell me the song. Just give me the three melodic. I won't notes. tell you the song. I don't think. Yeah, yeah but I'm gonna give you the. Tom's gonna throw them up on the screen because I don't know what I'm talking about. I think it's two Fs and a G, but it's not some little thing. Happy birthday. <laughs> All right. Could you imagine if that was it? I was that like, guys, I love this. this song. Moves me. Wonderful. Um, well, I hope what I do will move you as well. So, is that it? Two Fs and a G? I or think. Is it... I think Tom's get Tom gonna get it. Um, up uh, yeah, I'm pulling it right now. You just give me one sure. second. Um. Yeah, it's yeah, and I, or you know, I go. You don't have to show me the notes. You can just tell me what they are. I'm trying to see. So what... it's G major seven is what it looks like. One of them is well. Right? Oh, not, I don't want the chords. I want three melodic notes. Oh, then it's just two Fs and a G. Okay, here we go. Two Fs and a G. Thank you. 
Bravo. Pretty, it's so amazing. Thank you. That was incredible. My mic was muted. That was beautiful, man. That was incredible. That was amazing. It that it it's amazing that you've never taken a like a class before doing yeah. the Riddler. Just walk up to a piano. Yeah, it's a, that's what I always say to people. You're all geniuses. You never took speaking lessons and listen to you now. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was as you were playing that man. I kept having like images in my head of like 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 this could literally be the end of a movie, like a little bit of a montage, somebody walking in New York in the fall, or maybe like, it will be. I don't know, but yeah. uh, you recorded it. I didn't. I'll look forward to. Uh, eventually getting a copy of it and absolutely fantastic dude um absolutely. that is so I, I, did I, it did it connect with you on an emotional level at all I absolutely was, though yeah i mean that's that's the thing too is i was like i could hear like the you know the obviously the chords i gave you but i just love whoop that's also three chords i enjoy uh <laughs> Um, but yeah, that was the other thing too, man, the way you kind of like developed it as it went on and it got more expansive, I think, and just more emotion was filled with it. Like I was just trying to look at you to see how your brain was working as you were doing it, because it was just filling me with like these ideas and emotions and, and, and like, well, uh, uh, I, I, I wasn't looking at myself as I was doing it. Did I look any different than what I'm speaking? No, no, you were just going with the flow. Yeah. That's beautiful, man. Yeah, like I say, for me, it's as effortless as speaking. Maybe more effortless. Mm -hmm. I don't have to worry about getting hoarse. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, <laughs> because of your unique talent, though, did you have people that you um, maybe tried to emulate when you were, you know, we all start with somebody that we admire or somebody that we kind of uh, idolize. Anybody that you kind of tried to emulate in the beginning before you realized you were your own individual? Well, uh, everybody. I, I just was so inspired by wonderful music from uh, light classical, certain pop melodies. I mean, I love Bach. I love Michelle Legrand, Richard Rodgers, uh, Aaron Copeland, Leonard Bernstein. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, uh, were you exposed to a lot of classical as a child? My mother used to listen to uh, uh, classical music and light classical music and took me to musical theater as a kid. And I love musical theater. Um, I love melody, you know, and uh, I love the emotional connectivity, connectivity of music. I think the first uh, classical music I heard, I, it was introduced to me when I was 17, uh, Rachmaninoff's uh second symphony uh the third movement uh which um has an incredible really beautiful melody It's etc. Yeah. And uh, that movement just tore yeah. me up. And and after I got to know that movement really well, I listened to the other three movements of the symphony. They weren't bad either. And that was <laughs> that was my opening into classical music. Wow. wow. I think my opening into classical music was like Vince Giraldi, whatever was the peanuts thing. You know what I mean? Like that was like yeah. when I was a kid. Like, I mean, I wish it was more obviously 
dignified probably, but I don't play an instrument. So I don't really feel like it was a loss on my end, but you know, like, but that was like what got me into it, I think. And then I started listening to like advanced players, but that was like a piece of music. I feel like that sticks in my head a lot. Well, I, I really hope that you'll explore some of my catalog and maybe you'll find something that'll stick in your head. I mean, uh, I mentioned to Tom before he went on the air that, uh, I'm currently enjoying a rather hit classical success. Um, these days, I'm a classical crossover person. Uh, I released in, on May 20th uh, a four-movement solo piano work called Remembering Mariupol. Wow. And because of the title and because of the significance uh I must thank Vladimir Putin for this, of course. Uh, <laughs> That's a first. <laughs> but it, but we're about 850,000 streams, and uh, oh, it's incredible for a classical release. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty good numbers for a pop release. Yeah. And uh, that's all due to Apple and Amazon putting me on their playlists and keeping me there. Usually, if you're on a playlist for a week, you're doing well. I'm on a playlist for months now. That's fantastic. Dude. Yeah, which is amazing. Yeah. That's incredible. Um, and and okay. I, I, I released uh, at the end of September uh, a piece called 88, homage to Mike Lang, A Life Well Played. Mike Lang was um, a great studio pianist in L.A. who was beloved by all who knew him. He was a, he was a cantankerous fellow, but uh, <laughs> a brilliant, brilliant fellow. And we... We were very good friends and we'd argue about philosophy and art and mm. but he died after a year struggle with cancer and uh, the end came very quickly and I was it came so quickly I was so shocked I just did what I very often do when, when I'm very emotionally upset I sit at the piano and out came this piece called 88 which is very much influenced by Mike who was a jazz pianist at heart. Mm -hmm. So I'd invite your listeners to take a look at that. Yeah, and that could be Apple found everywhere. Apple, yeah, Spotify, yeah. all the streaming services. Yeah, Pandora is playing it a lot, which is nice. Um, nice. Pandora is uh, great for that kind of stuff because it doesn't, you know, the other ones I think keep people more curated to what they like, but Pandora is just random. It's beautiful. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So it's, uh, it's getting some exposure and, uh, and uh, you know, so so there there it is. I uh, my catalog. Uh, I have like almost seventy releases out there, distrib mm -hmm. distributed by the Orchard uh, <laughs> on my label. Uh, nice. The Orchard took my label on a number of years ago. Right. And I get between two million and eleven million streams monthly. So it's um, but we have well looking for more more people. So come on down. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Check it out, everybody. You definitely want. I feel like this is hopefully it exposes some of our audience to to your music and how yeah. incredibly original it is comparatively, right? Something so different. I feel like you, the, your talent is so uh, it's almost in tune with a lot of what's going on now because you're you instantly create, and I feel like a lot of the a lot of the app apps like TikTok or Twitch are based around people that wish they would have your talent that you, they could just curate something out of the air. Yeah, I I. I uh... I, people say, why don't you go on TikTok? Well, I think to be a success on TikTok, you have to commit to daily uh, stuff. And I don't want to be committed to anything. 
Right. Not a, not an asylum or the TikTok or <laughs> you know I, uh, but I I I do love sharing what I I can do, and I do look forward to as my visibility increases, opportunities to do more, you know, live performances, master classes, and interact with uh, audiences. Uh, so uh, I'm, like I'm looking forward to this festival next month. Right. In Europe, I'm, I'm big in the Baltics and Eastern Europe. I've been to uh, all the Baltic countries and Poland, and uh, they seem to, to like me um, more than than here. I, here, I don't get invited to perform all that often. And when I do, I get COVID. You know. <laughs> yeah. 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 What, well, when I, you, I know so it's going to all change now that I'm on your show, right? Yes, yep. absolutely. Like Carson. Is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um what, what when you get this piece back the one that you just did for us here um do you consider that a finished piece if you really like it will you expand on it try to sh you know what i mean like what what's the process like there well if i had recorded it i would edit it and uh mm -hmm. in its finest form and perhaps do something with it mm. uh i i may find uh, that there's something there that i want to uh you know expand on and re-record mm-hmm I don't know. I mean, because I don't remember. I have to listen to it. Oh, that's great. How long was it, roughly? Was it a couple of minutes? Or? I think it was about a minute and minute and something, right? I think it was about two. Yeah, two? I think, I think Sweet. Two. Which I'll have it. We'll pull that down and fully clip it for you. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so I've got to ask you the same three questions I ask every I, guest at the end of the show. What's up? I was going to say, could I just bring up? Because I have one question that I thought was great from the audience that I would oh, like sure. to pull up for him. So, uh, the more asked, does it feel like the music is in the air or is the music inside of you? Where, where do you look to find it? Somebody once asked me what inspires me and my quick answer was life. Mm. Um, I would say to the viewer, um, listener, you know, ask yourself the same question when you come up with an idea. I don't really know where the things come. I'm, I'm always expressing in the language of music what I what I feel. And uh, so when I sit down to create music, it's where I am at the moment, I, I, I guess. It's not a concrete answer, but I don't know if there are concrete answers for the things that we really know so little about. Yeah, yeah. agreed. Um, well, thanks for asking the question, the more. And now I'm going to ask you the same three questions that we ask every guest on the show. Does that mean we're getting to the end of the show? Yes. Oh, I'm so sorry about that. Oh, no. I, I was just beginning to have a really good time. Oh, okay. Really? Thank and you. Now, if you want to have you back, I would love, love to you have back. you back. Yeah, absolutely. You guys have my back. Okay. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I, 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 it's, a, it's a nice comment to know that uh, an hour went by that quick and you didn't even know. Um, so... But we will have you back whenever you want. Wonderful. That's yeah. kind of you. Um, okay. So first question is kind of a softball one. But if you can go back in time and talk to your younger self, what piece of advice would you give yourself that would help you today? That is a really tough question. Because I've always been a positive thinker. Trust that there's a purpose in life. And that the challenges put in your path are there to make you stronger. Nice. And 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 ask 
if you are somebody who prays to an outside force, not to remove you from the situation created for you, but to ask what you can learn from the lesson that's been specifically designed for you. Ooh, that's a great, that's a great answer, man. Thank you. Um, wow. So uh, second question is what had to end in your life, good or bad, that led you to where you are today? What happened to my life that led me to where I am today? No, wow. what had to end? What had to oh. end in your life? Ah, what had good to or end bad. in my life? Yep. I really don't know. Oh, wow. I really don't know what had to end. What had to end? Maybe when I was nine years old and uh, all of the advice given to me by Professor Burroughs had to not be taken. Because if it, if it had been taken, I would have been put into the standard pedagogical mill. <laughs> I might have been altered chemically. Right. <laughs> <laughs> From right. the, you know, I mean, I don't really know. It's a, I, I don't know. It's, um, I, I, there's not something specific. Uh, you know, I can tell you when I was a teenager, I had a number of uh, very unhappy uh, love interests. Uh, and uh, they, they didn't happen. Would have they? Would it have been so bad if they did happen? Would it have been so bad if I realized that my ability to create real time was not common when I was younger? I have no idea. That's a that's a really tough question, and I cannot BS about it. I have no idea, honestly. Very you good gave question. Great Thank you, and I think you gave great, very great answers, though. I mean, there was a lot of there was a lot of good philosophical points. You said you like to be a little bit of a philosopher, and I think no, I am a philosopher. Yeah, you are. You are a philosopher. Yes, the music, yes. it's a side thing. I agree. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. But that was a lot of like All right. complex uh, answers to that question. That's and and the third one. And the third one has the, to do with the show. It's a goofy question. If this was a genuine dystopia, and uh, it, it could be the collapse of the government or aliens, zombies, a comet heading toward the Earth, whatever you want it to be, but you wake up, you find out it's everybody's last day, how would you spend it? And what would be happening, by the way? Like, what would be your choice of the way everybody goes out? That's a really hard question for a positive person. It is. It could be I was a, thinking wait, wait, wait. that. It could be a positive out. It could be a very, you know, a quick um, kumbaya-esque you know, everybody's high. I'll, and... I'll tell you what. Everybody's waiting for the Messiah to come. Okay. So I think the Messiah comes when all of our souls have uh, evolved to the point where the great university of life is going to be closed and it's going to end because it's not needed anymore. And the, the big guy comes down and gives the closing speech at graduation day for the great <laughs> university of life. Oh, that's great. I love the idea of that guy giving a commencement speech. And, and I'm we're just all picturing... wait, we're all waiting for it. You yeah, know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just picturing William playing him off. <laughs> I'd like to play him on. That's there fantastic, man. Amazing. Uh, Thank you, you. You guys are really terrific. Thank I you, must, man. 
I must say that. And uh, if you do invite me back, I will come. So be careful what you wish for. <laughs> oh, we, I am looking forward to it. Absolutely. And I'd love to come see you, man. So if you are doing any live gigs again or doing something like that, I'll come Well, let out. me ask you, are you performing at any places that might uh, be compatible for the venue having a fine piano or willing to bring one in? There is a yeah, we're working on stuff. I'm doing stuff at the Crane in New York, the theater in in uh, in Manhattan. Um, but you're out in LA though, right? No, he's in his Manhattan apartment. Oh, you are in Manhattan apartment right now. I'm, I'm by coastal. You're by coast. Well, that's very listen. Every it's 2022, man. We're all I can also into... <laughs> not only am I by coastal, I can also sell coastal. I'm, oh, that's fantastic. I buy and sell coastal. Yeah, <laughs> I consider myself a bike sexual. I have a uh, an electric bike and a regular bike. I'm. Very, I like it. I thank like you. It. I mean, um, uh, you know, if if, if uh, there's enough to cover an an, uh, an airplane ticket or something, I mean, it's I have sure. a place to stay. You know, I would I would love to. I mean, actually, yeah. I would really love to because the truth is that you know, and John, who introduced me to you guys, is endlessly frustrated because he he talks to people about what I'm doing and the unique stuff I'm doing. Nobody really gets it. I understand that. Yeah. Because they have how could you get what you have no idea what is? So totally anyhow, it. so you guys have been exposed to a little of this. I would be delighted to participate in any events you guys have going on. You know, and uh chances are I would be able to arrange my flexible schedule to accommodate such things. So do stay in touch. I mean, um my email's on my website and John will yeah. put you in touch and all that stuff so. absolutely man i love john john's a good guy we're in touch all the time so that's sure. fantastic i'm gonna thank him again for introducing you to us and uh my yeah. pleasure i'm gonna thank him first as soon as we okay. get off <laughs> <laughs> fantastic man i appreciate it and i'll see you in new york because we're gonna we'll pop in and we'll do some stuff <coughs> i'm here for another week you know on this trip so cool awesome man thanks so much. wonderful thank yep. you both thanks so much and have Peace, a wonderful bye, -bye. bye, -bye. thank you bye Dystopia tonight.